you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everybody. Before your show, this is Alex Gelhart from the Fantasy Live Podcast telling you to check out our latest episode. We talk about all the fantasy impacts of the 2016 NFL Draft. Is Ezekiel Elliott a first-rounder? Which of the wide receivers have the best fit? And who are the sleeper running backs to target? Check out the episode on NFL.com slash podcasts, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Now enjoy your show. The Around the NFL Podcast is 25% vegetarian, but 100% meaty. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Like that money drop. That was a good one. Well, large percentages of the world are vegetarian, but in this in this environment here it's as like the the earth would be shattering if three of you had to not have like pork stuffed in your mouth every day well what are you talking about it's a (laughs) it's a much higher percentage of vegetarians in this room than in the greater society 25 percent is pretty big not in the in the states that's true that's not true in large portions of the globe greg also not to you can you can confirm that large portions of the globe the it's thirty percent vegetarian. You are going to Where be hearing from it from people on Twitter for thinking that the entire world let's, eats meat like you do. Let's not fall too far down this uh, this wormhole today, at least. Plant Maybe killer. A little later uh, in, in the off season, but I will say, Mark, it's not just your vegetarian habits; it's also your eating habits in general that it, it, they confound and excite us on some level. Excite is fine. Confound is all right. When it turns into something else, then I begin to have an issue with it, and we've spent too much time on it already. Well, I found found a list of percentages by country. Not a single country over 10% for vegetarian, except India. That's what I'm referring to, Which is way over. But that's just one massive country. Oh, yeah, small little nation. But the, but the worldwide numbers. What is this on, the 538 on, podcast? I don't care about the metrics on vegetarians. <laughs> I want to talk about football because we're men. Exactly. Not who cares about meat. Forget about the veggies. Uh, let's talk big skin and uh, the draft now in the rearview mirror. Uh, so what we're going to do, we did this last year. and We had a lot of fun with it. Uh, what we like to do, because we don't, um, although there's some criticism that comes from time to time that we cover more teams than others um, without naming any teams, we do like to do our best. The Jets and Browns, po- the Around the Jets and Browns <laughs> podcast. We do our best. <laughs> listen, I, listen, you're going to put Dan Hansis and Mark Sessler in a room. Uh, the Jets and Browns are going to come up. Uh, it's just they are our teams. It's about loyalty and pride. You're, you check in and out. Wes got out on, on his team. It's just the way it is. I just don't assume everyone cares as much about my team as their own team. Everyone wants. Well, to we never discuss the Patriots. That's oh. a good point. Oh yeah. Well, they're always <laughs> they're always under the NFL radar, so they're an easy team to. So what we like to do, especially you know, we talked about a lot of teams on our uh, Thursday and Saturday uh, draft podcast, but in, just in case we haven't hit on everyone, we go around uh, the AFC. On today's show, Tuesday, on Thursday, we'll go around the NFC. 
Uh, each team uh, gets exactly, and this is very important, guys, three minutes. Three minutes each team uh, will divvy it up. Everyone will kind of start the conversation for each team. So we'll go through, uh, well, there's 32 teams in one league, two conferences, four teams per division, four divisions per conference, 16 teams today. Math is hard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's very hard. Okay, so <laughs> speaking of wormholes, I, I don't want to fall down another math wormhole, but uh, those new to the show should be aware that I once got a 39 on a state-mandated math test in New York. Okay, so. Out of 100. Out of 100, yes. Still got here. And look where I am. Aren't you proud of me, Dad? <laughs> Does he listen to this show? Would he even be able to answer that question? Keith? Uh, he doesn't, he's not like a, he's a big listen, a big, uh, football fan, but, uh, most men in the early sixties, I would say dads, salt of the earth type guys have come from a coal mining town. I don't know if you knew that. Um, don't listen to podcasts. I have driven past your town on the highway and it's recently as last summer and there's not a hint of coal there, but your dad is a salt of the earth individual. It's a bucolic <laughs> Wonderland. Down. Says the guy from Martha's Vineyard. Okay. I not from there at all. Okay. I love how they, they keep making this up. People were disappointed at our meetup when they found out it was completely fictional that I was driving strawberry tucks from uh, Martha's Vineyard. Well, hold on. This, there are, the trucks part is real. You drove a strawberry truck. Yeah. But as your number Western, one evidence for being a common man. Yeah, from Western Massachusetts. Yeah. This is the second time I've heard right, this. Uh, and you taught tennis today. on Martha's Vineyard. All right, so let's get into it. We've got so much together. we also got to get our old friend on the phone. We've been trying to get him on the line because we need to get his hot takes on uh, the draft. Um, so we'll talk to um, a man uh, that lives in the desert a little later. There, there's your little tease. Uh, but let's start and get into it. So we're going to go around the AFC in 48 minutes. I'm serious, guys. I'm timing this. After three minutes, Brandon uh, will sound the horn. We've got to get out. And none of this, oh, it's our show. We can do whatever we want. Got to get out. We're moving on to the next team. It's okay? going to create traffic accidents, I promise you. Yeah, it will. So uh, let's start it off with Chris Wessling. We're going to go first division up, the um, AFC East. Get us going, West, with the Miami Dolphins. Well, I think when you look at their draft, you have to say they, they might have gotten the best player in the draft at number 13 overall. The Dolphins have really revamped their offensive line. To me, that's the main the main takeaway from this draft. They signed Jermon Bushrod in free agency. They signed Craig Urbic and Sam Young, guys with experience. This has been a weak spot for them. They draft a third or fourth round guard every year, and he stinks every year. So you get that out of the way, draft the, the best offensive lineman in the draft, take care of that offensive line. Hard to disagree. I mean, the number one issue is the development of Ryan Tannehill under Adam Gase. That's why they brought Gase there. And, you know, people think it's boring when you draft offensive linemen. You know, fans want receivers and they want running backs. But the best way to fix that offense is to keep Tannehill upright, protect him well. That was a huge issue a few years ago. And I think they've got something going on with Gase. We'll see. Right. If Who knows where Tunsil will play? You know, you have Brandon Albert, you have Juwan James, who is the first-round pick. Bushrod's a tackle, too. But when you think of this roster with Sue, uh, 
obviously hoping to be better this year. You also have to count as part of their draft Maxwell and Alonzo. And now we're getting the, the sunny reports that Alonzo looks better than they could have possibly imagined in workouts. Of course. We'll have to find out and see. But if Alonzo and Maxwell give about 90% of what we were expecting out of those two going into last season, then this could be an unbelievable draft in, for the Dolphins. I mean, it could be a draft that helps boost them back up. That's what they're hoping. They also didn't get much out of their first-round pick last year, Devontae Parker. So that's another guy you're getting. So we believe it in it more than when they did their little version of the Dream Team a few years ago. This one has more substance to it. I think this is an okay roster. I think they had a good draft weekend. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's getting excited and picking them to win 11 or 12 games. I think Jay... Jay Ajayi has to be excited that they didn't add anyone over the weekend except for Kenyon Drake, who's a third-round pick. Seems more like a third-down back. That's that's probably going to be their backfield, Ajayi and uh, Drake. Well, I think we're all in a wait-and-see mode with this team. We're, we're skeptical because last year some of us bought in and, and thought they might be a playoff team. But to me, they can only go as high as their quarterback, and I just don't believe in Ryan Tank. I, I don't see much difference between the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins. None of them would surprise me if they won five games, and none of them would surprise me if they won ten games. I, I think they all have enough talent that they should be expecting to be 500 or better. So someone's going to be disappointed. I think they're all pretty talented teams. I think it's a talented division. Outside of Rex Ryan's Jets, that feels like the AFC East for the last like, 12, 13 years, to be honest. Yeah, but the Bills have been bad. Now the Bills aren't bad. I think the Bills at least are competitive, and I think the Dolphins should have higher expectations. Let's move on and talk about the Buffalo Bills. And, gentlemen, uh, my question to you is, and I think I agree the talent level isn't that much off with all these teams. Maybe the Patriots are ahead because of their coach and quarterback. But was this same old Rex here? Because did the Bills – um, neglect their offensive needs, um, namely skill position players. Uh, you know, Robert Woods is a number two. I don't know what you guys think about that. Uh, thought they might upgrade at wide receiver. Uh, but did they neglect their offense, which needs help in my mind, to give their head coach the toys that he likes? I'm, I think I lean in that direction. Like, that's how I naturally think of Rex Ryan automatically. But if you look at this roster, they addressed offense last year, like Mark said on the last podcast. They got Charles Clay, LaShawn McCoy. They picked up Carlos Williams. They got a lot of weapons last year. I think the needs were on defense this year. I mean, Rex, you know, if you we most of us like collision lacrossers, and and what was distru- I've never heard of that. What is that? It's that great Jets book from. But what was what was what stood out to me still about that was how disruptive Rex was was during the later stages of the draft process, where he just wanted to get his guys, people blowing up scouts, and just <laughs> doing what he needed to do. And so yeah, you look at this draft, and it's another defensive heavy draft that you think that. But you're right; they have a lot of money poured into their offense, and so there's got to be some balance. And there was there's a lack of depth on that defense. Rex decried that after the year. Right. Raglan, Reggie Raglan, their second round pick is starting. He's their weak side linebacker. The Zach Brown's going to be a backup. Shaq Lawson is starting. They don't believe in competition, which I, you know, is a little bit of a worrisome uh, aspect to the, what you heard from Whaley coming out of the draft was that Lawson's starting week one. I mean, that's, that's just how it is. Raglan is a starter. I can't think now. of another team that does that with the Houston Texans with their first-round picks under Rick Smith do that a lot. Hmm. Really? They just put them, they put them right in. They said they have them. They tried to take some interesting picks later. I think there is a worry to, your, to answer your question, Dan. Yes. That you're just saying, okay, we're good on offense. We've got a lot of talent poured in. We, we got Greg Roman, Tyrod Taylor. Like, okay, this thing's, this thing's fine for right now. And obviously this is not an offense that you're just expecting to roll the ball out and they're going to be amazing. 
I wonder, Cardell Jones, who was a very intriguing guy a year ago and then slipped to the fourth round here, is he going to be the backup to Tyrod Taylor? Because that's a very important position here also when you talk about a team where Taylor might not have the build to survive uh, at, at this level, let's face it, uh, and he was nicked up a lot last season. E.J. Manuel, I think we all know what, what he is at this point. Uh, Jones, if he sees a lot of snaps, will he be ready for it? Could the Bills survive without uh, Tyrod If the Taylor? season goes south in a hurry and they, you know, maybe some people say wisely didn't invest too much in Tyrod Taylor this year and you want to find out what you have in quarterback, it's the second quarterback Whaley picked, then yes, I think Jones would play. The New York Jets, Greg Rosenthal. Oh, I get the Jets. I did that for you. We spent so much time talking about the quarterbacks uh, for the New York Jets. So let's just throw this question out. Take away the quarterback position. Look at the Jets up and down their roster after this draft. Is this a better than average NFL roster? Are the Jets a particularly talented team? Now, they have a talented wide receiver group, so that gets attention. Uh, they have Matt Forte. That gets attention. But other than that, is this a good team? Like if, if they had, let's say, an Alex Smith or a slightly better than average starting quarterback, are you like, okay, this is a, this is a Which they team. have if they have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Based right. on last year alone, I'm only going to go off what he's done with Chan Gailey. I think they have a decent roster. I don't think they're loaded by any stretch. Uh, I think they have Revis, who might not be at the height of his powers. Um, but he's a guy that's a, a plus player in the secondary. I thought the, the draft pick, they went and got Darren Lee, that will help with their team speed on defense, which was a major glaring issue for them last season. Uh, and I, they can score some points. They proved that last season. I think they have probably a middle-of-the-road roster, though, I'd, I'd, I'd say. Well, even without snacks, they have one of the most talented defensive lines in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Leonard Williams, Sheldon Richardson, and Muhammad Wilkerson, if Wilkerson – if his leg checks out. I mean, it was a pretty gruesome broken leg, wasn't it? Yeah, had they traded Wilkerson away, it suddenly what was a dominating strength last year would have changed. Kind of the identity of the defense would have completely changed. And But, Greg, you said it before. I mean, if they went 5-11, and 11, none of us are going to be completely shocked. If they won nine, they went 9-7 and seven and challenged for a wild card team, I wouldn't be surprised either. But you have no quarterback right now. It's hard to take a, get a real global look at that team when you don't even know who the quarterback is. I tend to think this is a better-than-average pretty good roster because of the defensive line. you got players in the secondary screen, Gilchrist and Revis. The linebacker is a little weird right now. They certainly need someone on the outside. They hope Darren Lee, their first-round pick, who I've now you know heard some good things about. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. The Packers were reportedly zeroed in on Darren Lee. I like Lee, that. By I the like way, that. Ted Thompson, I think, had his eye on him, and, and that didn't work out for them. You got a good re- receiver group. You're fine at running back. The offensive line's a concern, but I think this is a pretty good team. I, I guess I'm I'm saying if they can if they can find a quarterback – that answers. I don't know if Hackenberg could be that guy. I think this is it's a team that, that, that should try to win in this window, that is trying to win in this window. Well, let's say it's Geno week one through whatever to start the year. Ugh. And the offensive line, which was a, a big need going into the draft and it wasn't addressed, and let's say it's a big leaky issue, then that with the combination of Geno Smith, I don't like that. I was a little surprised Geno Smith's not going to be the quarterback, by the way, guys. I'll put some sandwiches on that. If anybody wants to take me up on, I do not week want to one. take you I up think on that. I, I'm not going. I'm not going to bet for him. I'm not going to take you up on that, but I will. I was surprised. Let me just when finish. he does start week one, he's going to be great. Okay, cool. But uh, before <laughs> we before we move on, yeah, that 
they I was surprised they didn't address offensive line sooner. And it, yes, Mark, it could be a major issue if Ryan Clady isn't healthy because they have no depth. There. Run for your lives, Clady! <laughs> Let's move on to the throne of ease. Mark Sessler. All right, just a quick question about the Patriots. Spent a lot of time on this team. But because it's the Patriots, are we underselling the absence of Tom Brady for four games? With it, Will his four-game ban serve as the difference between a pristine 4-0 start under quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo? Or will the Patriots stumble, Greg, to an ugly beginning, ultimately sending New England on the road to Pittsburgh for the AFC Championship game where a flustered New England roster falls 45-28 to in a wild defeat capped by a rowdy fistfight involving LeGarry Blunt and Le'Veon Bell, former carpool friends, really sad to watch. Or does this simply set a more dramatic stage, Greg and Wes, for yet another Super Bowl-winning campaign in New England, one that finally sends Bill Belichick into a cushy front office role, handing the operation to his son, Steve Belichick, who next summer wisely drafts Tom Brady's son, Benjamin Brady, to a cap-friendly 25-year deal with the team. To celebrate, the Patriots then dip Kevin Falk into a vat of hot liquid gold to honor the former running back's very special draft day announcement from this past weekend. Yes, the versatile Falk instantly perishes, but the golden replica of his body is planted just beyond the end zone with his decaying corpse trapped inside. What a celebration. Or, finally, Dan, will Magic Mike McCagnan from Florham Park swoop in and make Steve Belichick an offer he can't refuse? making the offspring of Belichick the new Jets coach in 2017, essentially shifting the balance of power in the AFC for the next 30 years while Patriots fans cling to the memory of Steve Grogan in his cute little Pats outfit of old. Oops, we're out of time. Next team. <laughs> Moving on to the AFC North. Mark, we're running it back with you. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do not have as much of an announcement about the Steelers. I, my question with this, because I went and looked, you know, obviously the Steelers, it feels like for years, we got to get a cornerback, we got to get defensive backs. That's the one sort of weakness that they've had when they've got this high-powered offense. And I look at who they took at number 25, Artie Burns. Mike Mayock calls him. He's very raw. Then at 58, cornerback Sean Davis, Je Daniel Jeremiah. He's very raw. Have they answered their needs? Do we feel like this defense is going to be trapped in these weekly kind of shootouts next year? Or is there actually sneaky more talent on this defense despite what happened in this draft? This team is interesting because they trust their scouts. And they got ripped a little bit by the analytics community. But on the flip side of those raw comments, Mike Mayock says about Artie Burns, could end up the best corner in this draft. Well, I kept that out because it didn't sell my point. Artie well. Burns, <laughs> Jerry Knuckle professional. Jeremiah says about Sean Davis, the upside is tremendous. Yeah. And to me, I trust the Steelers organization. They scout do you trust them? Do you trust them in the secondary? I know you've got a couple stars over the years, but over the last five years, they have spent. It reminds me a little bit of the Patriots. A lot of draft capital in the back end without a lot of success. Right now, you got Shamarco Thomas, you got Senquez Golston, uh, you got Doran Grant, who is a pick mid-round pick from them last year. They have not had a lot of success drafting at that position. It's like second-round cornerbacks for the Patriots are always a disaster. It's a fair point. I don't, how much of that is development and how much of that is drafting? And you can tell if you you know take a step back and look at an entire draft class, a team will reveal where they're worried about uh, whether it's depth or getting some starting talent. And they went five of seven picks on defense. Their first three rounds, all defensive players, didn't take an offensive player, uh, Gerald Hawkins, um, a tackle until the 123rd pick. So I think 
and it makes sense. There's logic there. I mean, they don't. They're a team that could score as well as anybody, but they need to get some stops. They're also kind of a win now team. I mean, you've got a certain amount of time left with Big Ben. What is the point in taking deep roster offensive talent that's going to struggle to get on the field? Defense is what you needed, but I. You know, this is not a perfect... The Steelers find a way to get overrated, and then they stumble. Something always seems some fatal flaw creeps up in the end, but I really view them as a Super Bowl team. Well, this... <laughs> I know. Well, you just had them destroying the Patriots in the conference title. By Easily. The, by the way, I like the fact that the Patriots' terrible scenario that you had a Sessler on last thing still has them in the final four teams better than the Browns have done in 30 years. <laughs> well, I did not allow you to comment, so I will not comment on your slight, your slander towards me. The Steelers need the players on their roster to get better, the young players on their defense. That's the thing. I mean, you can hope that these young cornerbacks are good, but they need Jarvis Jones and Ryan Shazier to take a step up and Stephon Tuitt to take another step up. And if those guys all can become stars, it's going to be a very good team. I think it's interesting the philosophical shift on their defense. When Dick LeBeau was there, they went from Kem- Kembrell Bell in like 1990 to Ryan Shazier without ever having a rookie starter. Now Tomlin says three rookies could start. Chris Wessling, the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, at the end of last year, Bill Pullian, Hall of Fame general manager, and John Harbaugh, coach of the Ravens, both said the Bengals have the most talented roster in the NFL. And I think even after losing Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Andre Smith, Reggie Nelson, Leon Hall, a lot of players. What's What's cool, though, is that they have guys to plug in. Brandon LaFell, is he that much worse than Marvin Jones? I don't know. The, 2004, yes. the 2014 version certainly wasn't. Yes, I think he is. I don't think he's that much worse. And then Tyler Boyd, Boyd you pick him up. Carlos Dansby, is he worse than A.J. Hawk? I don't, I don't think so. No. Nobody, nobody had to be more furious about how the first round played out than Cincinnati, who obviously had needs at wide receiver, and they see – Corey Coleman goes 15th overall to the Browns. They pick 24th right after that run of three wide receivers. They settle for Tyler Boyd in the second round, uh, but that had to be killer mark for them. It's interesting that you mentioned LaFell because he goes to a Patriots team in 2014. He was he was thought of as nothing with Carolina, and they make something out of it. And I, I look at the Bengals as one of those teams. They're not New England, but they're, they're so consistent organizationally from top to bottom, which was not true during all those years that people want to mention, that you can – yes, LaFell is not the equivalent of the receiver they wanted, but they can fit people into their system and keep going. I don't view additions and losses with them the same way I would with a team that's constantly churning over. But they also lost to Jackson. I know Zampese – Biggest loss. Sam right. Beasy's been there, but that's that's significant. After losing your OC in DC the year before, too. So I mean, you at some point you're like, this happened with Baltimore, where they lost a defensive coordinator every year or two, and then suddenly, you know, one year it's not going to work. You can't just keep plugging in all star coaches. It is a fun, great roster, and I do like. They're always the team. The Ravens are kind of like this too, but they're the team that drafts the guy that's falling. That, that everyone expected to go higher. And that has worked out well. Like They are often the guy, the team taking the SEC big-name player that fell to the third round that you thought was going in the first. And it usually works. This year, uh, not an SEC player, but Andrew Billings kind of comes up when I think of that, a guy that people thought would go in the third round. perfect, undrafted. He, right, he goes, to the, he goes to the fourth round. They take him. That's a position of need, nose tackle. He'll probably wind up playing 25, 30 snaps. They're good at getting rotation players and just making it all work. When they lose players, veterans, it's usually because they have somebody to, 
somebody young that they, they've developed and want to throw in there. Right, they I didn't want to keep Leon Hall, basically. Andre Smith, they drafted his replacement in, in the first round last year. Leon Hall, they drafted his replacement with Darquez and Denard. Reggie Nelson, they drafted Sean Williams. They have guys to plug in for all these guys. Which makes the contract Adam Jones signed this offseason even more amazing. One of the more amazing achievements in veteran free agency history. He got that contract at age 32. <laughs> Moving on to the Cleveland Browns. Hope back in the building in Beret on the that old uh, haunted, abandoned uh, Indian burial ground. Maybe the ghosts have lifted. However, the next two drafts are not supposed to be quarterback heavy. No, no big studs. Andrew Luck's not show, walking through that door from what we understand. Uh, did Sashi sign his NFL death certificate by passing on a passer? <laughs> Well, I think he's NFL. They have to understand and they do one thing that they're going to be judged game by game, week by week and year by year with how Carson Wentz progresses versus their own draft. That said, a year ago, if I asked you who Carson Wentz was, you would have thought he was someone that probably worked at CVS up the street. None of us had heard of him. The National and Scouting Service had him as the 14th best right. senior heading into the season. We year. know by now that the process of quarterbacks rising up, that it's a good class or a bad class, that time is going to come for any of these teams that need that player to find them in the draft. I, I'm warming up to the, what they did because they're trying to overhaul an entire team in three or four years through the draft. You can't just do it with four picks a season. The, the logic is sound in the fact that obviously once the, the Rams trade happened, if the Browns didn't love Carson Wentz, you get all that you can for that second round, second overall pick, which is exactly what they did. The question is whether the Browns, this new regime, can be trusted to have made the right decision. We'll find out because oh, there's a lot on the line here. Careers are on the line. In a given year, there are usually only three or four teams sending a clear signal. We're not competing this year. We're not playing to win. We're building. And the Browns are usually one of those teams almost every year. Not last yep. year. that We thought they were building. But I remember on this podcast, I said, I, I think this is one of the worst two or three rosters in the league and one of the worst two or three teams. And th I remember at the time that wasn't that popular. But now it's like that roster is not any better now. So it's still one of the worst. So I fully expect them to not be ultra competitive this year. But I think it makes sense. If you if you out of these 14 guys, if three are decent starters and another couple stick as good contributors, that's a win. I mean, that's just what you got to do. And then you got to get another class like that next year, and then maybe you're it's somewhere. Not, it's not a win. You need difference makers. You need sure. all pros. You need and a the difference Browns have zero. So, well, we don't know about the players they drafted. Right, yet. so you hope Coleman... So they've got Joe Thomas and a bunch of borderline mediocre players. That's not how you win in the NFL. You need different... Possibly I, Josh Gordon, but not likely. So you I, hope... You're right, Wes, but the also... One of the top three picks are a difference maker. I don't Two think are key, else are starters. When you start with a barren roster, the key is not, okay, let's draft a couple solid starters. It's not. You need difference makers. That's fair. And they're going to use more money, and they weren't going to use a lot of money on free agency this time around. Bottom line, it, you can't ask Hugh Jackson to center his career around a quarterback he didn't believe in. And, and what we hear, for better or worse, is he was not a Wentz guy. He was a golf guy. They couldn't get golf, and they moved on. I, from a coaching angle, it's different than us just looking at rosters and saying X, Y, or Z. Yeah, you can't lampoon Hugh, Hugh Jackson now for – for not falling in love with a quarterback. We don't know enough about these quarterbacks to say that's the, that's the right or wrong. Does does De Podesta, Sashi, and Hugh know what they're doing? Will Jimmy Haslam have the patience? Big storylines in Cleveland right now. Greg, Baltimore Ravens. Is this 
Ravens class, 13 deep, by the way. The Browns took the most players in any draft by any team since 1997. Well, the Ravens only took one player less. Is this 13-player draft and a lot of guys starting enough to get the Ravens back in the AFC North and playoff mix right away? Like, are these guys going to be on the field right away? Well, aren't they also getting, you know, five or six key players that, you know, barely made a dent last year because they were so riddled with injuries? They're getting almost an entire new team back. And I think the Ravens, if we don't want to trust Cleveland because of the past, and that's fair, we should trust Ozzie Newsom and the Ravens because over and over he does this. He finds players in the draft. He's getting criticized, surprisingly, for a draft that was very popular nationwide. There was some columns in Baltimore that they played it too safe that they should have done anything they could to move up for Ramsey, which they tried, but they didn't get it done, that they took Stanley, even though Tunsil was higher on their board because they were too worried about Tunsil character. Tunsil was not higher on their board. Well, Aditi Kinkawala reported that, that he was on draft night, and then Adam, Adam Schefter reported that he was as well, for what it's worth. Um, the Ravens did deny it after the fact, but yes. I, 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 I buy those reports, especially it's coming from a couple places. Uh you know, so they take Ronnie Stanley, then they pass that Noah Spence and a couple other guys they could have taken in the in the second round. But man, I don't know. I like this draft. I like Kenneth Dixon. I, th- I think you can get. I don't know. You can get a lot of play. He's their running back in the fourth round. Mayock, DJ like him a lot. They think he might be starting. Right a lot now. of running backs. In Ten Baltimore. of their thirteen draft picks are drafted after the third round. I yeah. wouldn't expect immediate contributions from from these guys. You well, took five guys in the fourth round, which is the most in NFL history. You hope that's that because this team works. and this is not a new thing. Baltimore often has quite a few picks. They get more comp picks, and that's a strategy of theirs mm-hmm. than almost any team in the league. Definitely more than any team. You you're right though when you said like they're getting a whole new team of players like. Think of their receivers, Perriman, Smith, and Wallace. None of them essentially had any impact for them last year whatsoever. Beyond midseason. Right, whatsoever. You know, you have Weddle. You have Jimmy Smith. You hope is healthier again. At least that's – Justin any. Forsett was injured last year. Suggs, Flacco Joe Flacco, injured. yeah. Suggs was injured, yep. Mark, how are you going to feel when, uh, as Greg said, fourth-round pick Kenneth Dixon takes Trent Richardson's roster spot in about August 21st? <laughs> Well, I mean, bottom line, you know, quickly on, on Richardson, if he shows well during that camp, he's going to have a better chance than he did last summer of getting a job in the fall. He only has to have one snap ever again, Dan, and you're done. Those breakfasts, I, though, they're so tempting. I think he's, I'll have two of them. I think he's in deep trouble here. This is It's not the best running back group in the world, but it is very deep. You have Forsett, Buck Allen, who is very capable, and Dixon right off the bat, then Talia Farrow and West. Trent Richardson yeah. sixth on the depth chart. We move on to the AFC South. This is, you know, halftime, guys. Great job. Keep up the good work. Mark, get us going with the Tennessee Titans. I think that the entire room is feeling differently about the Titans because they're not the Titans anymore. Well, let's see. All right, but there's optimism. We said the same exact thing last uh, May, that we should not call them the Titans anymore, and then they went 2-14. and Last May, though, we didn't have a season's worth of tape on Marcus Mariota. Okay, It starts at quarterback. If we're going to kill other teams for not having one, they have one, and he's extremely promising. My question, he's already had two coaches. Did the Titans, because we've discussed a lot of their roster moves, is there a phantom menace lurking here where – you have gone and settled for Mike Malarkey because they the reports were so many coaches wanted to come in and be a part of the Mariota Titans franchise now that they've refurbished themselves at that position, and they settled for Malarkey without even much of a search. 
Is it going to lead Bunch to a disaster down the road or two? And they realize, wait a minute, just like the other teams, this isn't a head coach that we can really go the distance with. We have to make another change. Does that lurk as a danger? Yes. Kind of a vague question. No, I mean, I mean, we, it concerns it's easy me now, for that team. It's easy to forget because they did have, they've made some interesting moves this offseason. But we forgot that Malarkey's players did not play hard for him last year. They tanked, and they kept him in charge. So I do worry about the coaching staff, despite the additions they made to their roster. I think I'm not some big Mike Malarkey believer, but I am sold that their GM and coach are on the same page, and it's a page that helps Marcus Mariota. I think that you need a play-action offense with Marcus Mariota. You need a power running game. You need toughness. You need physicality, and I think that all works. It's one hand washing the other with the coach and GM, and I think that really will help Marcus Mariota's development. Well, the report, like that. the one report, hand washing the other. The reports were that Gross. they hired John Robinson in large part because he was willing to take Malarkey, that he had no say in the matter, and they and looked for a GM that that was okay with that. Are you and hint- according to most people, that GM just knocked the ball out of the park in this draft. Yeah, it's the number one draft class, according to Lance Zerline, uh, who mm. does good work on NFL media. It's certainly a deep class. Uh, this is the most improved offense in the NFL. NFL, in my opinion, but you're I to answer your question, uh, Mark. You're not winning a Super Bowl with Mike Malarkey. You know how we say like, well, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with certain quarterbacks. It's like Mike Malarkey is never making it that far in the playoffs. If the Titans ever get to the point that this roster is good enough to take the next step, it'll be with another coach. Uh, Wes, when you said that one hand was washing the other in Tennessee, were you hinting at a bathhouse situation on the Titans? Uh, campus i am not going to say anything disparaging about the state of tennessee isn't isn't one hand always washing the other that's called washing your hands it's a figure of speech you're washing someone else's hand isn't that what i mean (laughs) i think he's trying to say that robinson and malarkey are just two peas in the pod one hand washing the back it's like a tandem bicycle by the way underrated part of uh japan yes greg is definitely uh the bathhouses situation Uh, the onsen wait what definitely time to hit the horn (laughs) move Jesus, Greg. Horrible visuals. Chris Wesley, let's talk a little Jacksonville Jaguars. Speaking of enticing teams. If you look at this roster at the 2014 season, we wondered how much longer Dave Caldwell and Gus Bradley had because send Derek Marks was your best player, and maybe Jonathan Cyprian could develop into an above-average starter. That's all you had on your roster at the time. And since then, they have picked up so many new starters on both sides of the ball. Is this the most – Improved roster in the league from the end of last season to today. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you mentioned the Titans as having the most improved offense, but I think that Jacksonville's offense was largely already there. Right. And to do what they've done on defense through a combination of free agency and the draft, we mentioned on the last show, I can't think of another team that did that in one offseason on one side of the ball. On defense specifically, to go and and it's you want to hang in on one thing, you got Miles Jack. When everyone thought you'd have to maybe take him in the first round, he was projected to Jacksonville in the first round. That is called a coup d'etat, a bloody takeover of the AFC South. Whoa! You could have six new starters out of eleven. Yeah, I was trying to count them up. I think I think you have six is probably the expectation at this point. You have Gibson, Ramsey, Jack, uh, Malik Jackson, and Dante Fowler. 
It's got to click, though. That doesn't always work in football. That's tough. It's got to click. But that's also why Gus Bradley needs to produce right now. He was brought here as an architect of an all-time great defense in Seattle. Now he has pieces. There are no more excuses for Gus Bradley. So he needs to find a way to make these guys work immediately. And, yeah, it won't be easy. I do must be a little more worried about the offense taking a small step back, if anything, just because it's a lot of young players and you're just expecting, okay, now we're good We're good there. We have Blake Bortles. We have Greg Olson as our coordinator has been there for a little while. Like, If they can maintain, I think the defense will improve to average at the very least. And and they were one of the worst in the and league. And no one else is concerned that 37% of Blake Bortles' numbers came in garbage time last year? Well, what other option does he have? Either they come in garbage time, which was 90% of the time they were on the field, Fair. or they don't come in garbage time which we'd be much more concerned about him. If you want to look on the bright side, Chris Ivory gives you a really good red zone weapon you didn't have last year. The offensive line, you've got a new left tackle with Kelvin Beecham, and you've got Brandon Linder, who was their best offensive lineman, missed most of last year. You welcome him back. The offensive line should be pretty much improved. By the way, we know they're listening to DJ in Jacksonville when they take Brandon Allen, which was their third-string quarterback and was DJ's pet project throughout this whole draft process. DJ's got sway. There's, there's no doubt about it. DJ's got sway. By the way, if, um, you know, it's been a tough, you know, a couple decades for the Jaguars, but I don't know if you guys saw, it was a viral thing yesterday. Uh, we have a new face of the Jaguars, and it's this woman. This is what she thought about the Jags' new direction. Oh, we've been strong. We're just playing by the rules. You can't have a newcomer come in and steal a show. <laughs> by the way, she's referring to the 19... 19- 95 Jaguars that like raced into the AFC playoffs quicker than people expected. That's what she's no, talking about. Before she says steal the show, she looks into the camera and steals your soul. It's very interesting. You know how the basketball Courtesy of have, WJXT in Jacksonville, by the way. The basketball, they have the irrational confidence guy. That woman had the most irrational confidence of any woman I've seen on video. <laughs> the Houston Texans, gentlemen. Uh, with the additions of Lamar Miller, Brock Osweiler, and then they go in the draft and they get Will Fuller, uh, the wide receiver at our Notre Dame. They get Braxton Miller, another wide receiver in the third round. Their second round pick is a center, uh, uh, Nick uh, Martin. Martin, who's a, a top guy, interior blocker in this draft. Should Houston now be a favorite for uh, conference's most improved offense with all these new pieces? I think the Titans are the most improved offense, but you could argue Houston. I think that's their direct competition for that hypothetical award. If everyone's improving and they're all playing each other, it's going to be tough for them all to get a better record. The difference to me is I I fully believe 100% in Marcus Mariota, and I'm a skeptic when it comes to Brock Osweiler. That's why I don't consider the Texans quite the most improved. Well, I do believe in Bill O'Brien. I think that he's finally, for the first time in the NFL, has a chance to roll out an offense that doesn't have, you know, 18 running backs that are under, you know, under par that a quarter you got you got Ryan Mallett and Brian Hoyer. If Osweiler can be if he can stay on the field for 16 games, they're in a much better situation than they were last year. I'm wondering because they paid Brock Osweiler star quarterback money. I'm wondering how much they put on his plate. Are they going to ask him to perform that way, or are they going to make this a real uh, run-oriented attack? It'll be interesting to see how this offense looks. I think it's harder to rebuild an offense than it is to rebuild the defense, and the numbers support that, that you can turn around uh, a lousy defense faster than it usually is to become like an elite offense. You have but you don't need a quarterback on defense. Right, so you have a new quarterback – 
in a in a slightly different system, a new running back. You got these two rookie wide receivers. I mean, they had a rookie wide receiver they liked last year too, Jalen Strong. He showed how tough it is to adjust to the NFL level. Now he's getting replaced. Will Fuller is a guy a lot of people didn't like. I'm not some expert, but people thought he might be a one-dimensional. People wanted Josh Dotson over right, him. Right, a burner type. And so who knows? Do I really expect this offense to be that much better? Not, I mean, a little bit better, but I don't expect it to be better than average it, in particular. You can't hide Oswald. You don't pay that money to Oswald to hide. I don't right. care about run-heavy offense. I mean, the, the, the Cowboys of two years ago were as run-heavy as you get, and without Romo making key throws, they're screwed. And you, it should be said that Will Fuller, while that wasn't a universally lauded decision, they were the first of those three teams in a row to pick a wider suit. So they picked the guy that they wanted after yep. Coleman went off the board. Uh, so, you know, they got who, they got their guy. We'll see if it was the right pick. Well, if he's... Compared to Deshaun Jackson, don't forget that Deshaun Jackson lit the NFL on fire as a rookie. And they, they open with three of four first games at home, and those games are against the Bears, Chiefs, and Titans. Not a bad uh, opening slate. They do have a at Foxborough in there. Greg, the forgotten team in the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts. No team with Andrew Luck should be so forgotten. I'm not saying it's deserved, but nobody's talking about him. <laughs> so right. Ryan Grigson did the thing that – the Rams did last year, and they just drafted one position. They drafted four offensive linemen like the Rams drafted five offensive linemen last year, uh, including their supplemental pick. So they got some people to protect Andrew Luck. But my question is, does it even matter if they have no one rushing the passer? Who is going to stop anyone on this Colts defense? It's a good question, and it's a fair question because Ryan Grigson sat there at the combine and told us our number one goal is to get a pass rusher. Did they get one in free agency? Did they get one in the draft? I didn't I didn't see any major pass rushers going to Indy. You're exactly right. I mean, it's listed as the number one thing that they did not address, and I guess there's other ways to get to in, the quarterback. In a, in a great article today by the Mark Sessler. I actually did not mention them. Oh, okay. Because I, like Dan mentioned, forgot that the Colts exist, and I'm now <laughs> reminded that they, that they are a team in a division, and they are here with us. Here's the direct quote from Grigbaum, as Mark would call him in – the uh, GM Summit. <laughs> Yo, this is Greg Bomb. Oh, yeah. Greg Bomb. Now I feel like we need to build that defense. I feel like we have a lot of really good pieces on offense. Well, flip side, if he goes and <laughs> adds a bunch of defensive ends and outside linebackers and they don't draft an offensive lineman, we are frying him right now. Right. Because they've needed that for ages. So, so you know, everyone loves the Ryan Kelly pick who's a center. If he's your starter and a quality starter, obviously that, that works out. They load it up. That's just where they saw the value is. I, I'm not killing the draft as much as I'm killing this is their front seven. Langford, David Perry, Arthur Jones, Eric Walden, Dequell Jackson, Nate Irving, and Robert Mathis or Cole. That is one of the worst front sevens in football. Absolutely. And this team, Chuck Pagano is supposed to be a, a defensive guy, and he's had to blitz heavily to generate a pass rush since he's been in Indy. And it's interesting. Grigson, this defense – I keep thinking, oh, man, they have not done a good job. It's been very mediocre. I think it's going the other way. It's going from mediocre to, you know, maybe one of the worst. I mean, you have Vontae Davis, but after that, you do not have any guy that screams above average starter. They had a lot of needs. I don't like their backfield either. I mean, unless you're sold on another year of Frank Gore absolutely tearing it up, I don't see that happening. You got to wonder. Mark always tries to get his Gore shot in there. Got to get the Gore shot in there. You got to wonder the strategy uh, (laughs) that will be taken with this roster when the new coach and new GM are in control next spring. Oh, wow. (laughs) Sorry. 
Still think it's a good fit. Moving on to the AFC West. Finally, last division. We'll start with the Sizzler, the Oakland Raiders. Well, the Raiders are another one of these teams that, you know, there's a lot of optimism around here. I, they, just like Grigson talked about getting pass rush, you heard both the coach and the GM in Oakland talk about the fact that we need to get another running back. We want to be a run-based team. We want to beat people up. Latavius Murray was too overused last season and fell off some of his production you know, yards per carry from the year before. So they wait till the fifth round. They get DeAndre Washington, which I learned on Twitter from some very angry Raiders fans, is apparently the next Adrian Peterson uh, in waiting. But he's five foot eight and compared. He's a tough runner compared more in the Brandon Oliver mode. With Taiwan Jones, Roy Alou, and George Atkinson behind Murray, have they done enough to solidify the ground game that Del Rio said was so important to this Raiders offense? It's a fair question, and I also heard good things about DeAndre Washington, uh, that, that a lot of people liked him, but I thought going into this offseason, that was probably their biggest need on offense. I don't trust Latavius Murray as the number one guy. I think he runs too upright, and I don't think he has great lateral agility. So I would like to see a kind of a tandem partner who is the better half of it, and Latavius Murray maybe the lesser half of mm. it. I agree with all that, and yet if you're going to be weak somewhere – Running back with Murray and Halu, it's like, okay, that's not a great position. But if you're going to be weak somewhere and you're behind a good offensive line, they're counting on it. You know, Wes, you think it's one of the best in the entire league. They're interior. Then you, then you think you're I'm... like the Cowboys last year and maybe you can just get by like the Cowboys did with that running game, you know, because you have such a good offensive line. I don't think the offense is going to be any problem. I think it's the other side of the ball that would be having some issues. And I know Raiders fans love what they've done. They pick up Reggie Nelson. I am a huge fan of the Carl Joseph pick. Uh, you pick up Bruce Irvin, but beyond Cleo Mack, who who are your stars on that defense? Is it a rule, by the way, in first rounds of draft that analysts, any big-time safety comes off the board, has to be compared directly to Earl Thomas, Brian Dawkins, and Bob Sanders <laughs> every single year? Like, oh, this rangy's hard-hitting safety. He really compares well to Earl Thomas, Brian Dawkins, and Bob Sanders. Wait, I never heard anyone compare. How, how often do you hear Bob Sanders? I don't hear Bob Sanders. Bob Sanders <laughs> comes up way more than he should. I'm telling you, track it next year. Brian is, Dawkins is one of my favorite players of the last 20 years. Dan, that is, an, that is a strange gripe, but I'm going to get on board with you on that one. They just seem to come up a lot. I think we need a little, a few more safeties to be added in when it turn, comes to uh, comparisons. Bob That's Sanders all. was Defensive Player of the Year one year. That guy was a was. That is one of the more random uh, DPOIs ever because he his career almost ended after that. After That's that how season. good he was. That's true. Chris Wessling, the Kansas City Chiefs. Did you have something else there? No, no. Right. Well, even if he did, quickly. the horn blew. I yeah. didn't want to. I was waiting for the horn. Kansas City Chiefs, last year in the second half of the season, you had the Texans, Broncos, and Chiefs were the three best defenses in the NFL. Since then, the Chiefs have lost two starters from their secondary, Sean Smith and Tyvon Branch. They pick up a couple of cornerbacks in the third and fourth round, Kiveri, Russell, and, and Eric Murray. Do you guys trust this secondary this year? Hmm. Well, I look what they did with a rookie cornerback last year. They're, they're, they're well coached. That was a special player in Marcus Peters, but... The Chiefs, to me, if I want to trust anything, it's the fact that they do seem to keep plugging in new players, and I always underrate the Chiefs, and they always – last year, I mean, please, they deserve You were the credit. only one. Yes, I was the only person, and I will take it on my back. <laughs> Everyone else knew what the Chiefs would do but me. I don't, I don't feel like I missed the mark on that one. They were boring, and they were just enough to win at one game in the playoffs, and nobody took them seriously as a contender. Oh, they, were, they were a really good team. <laughs> For, Sorry, the last 10 harsh, bro. for the last 10 weeks of the season. I mean, they were a good team. They were 
they were kind of that eight, number eight team in the divisional round, the worst team that made the divisional round. But that's pretty good. I mean, if you can get to that spot. Philip Gaines uh, tore his ACL and missed last year, right, and had a good rookie year. So that is someone uh, that's played and played well for them that's coming back into their secondary. I think their front seven is the key. I mean, if the front seven's good enough, you don't have to worry about the secondary. But we don't know. Can Tom Lee do it again? Justin Houston's going to miss half the year. Are they going to be as big a difference, you know, as they were up front this year? I think you're going to see a question. fall off in this defense. Uh, Personnel-wise, it's not going to be the same. It doesn't. It doesn't look as good. I mean, this is a, this is still a tough team to get excited about. You know what I mean? They, it wouldn't surprise me if they the won. The gaps between our conversation about them right now speak right. volumes. It wouldn't surprise me if they won that division. But again, I'd be shocked if they went far in the playoffs. I think Andy really yeah. show he showed he's a good coach again with what he did last year. It's still not a roster that gets you overly excited, but it's pretty deep. I will say this because Wes, you might get some heat on Twitter. I think they won ten Lock in a row, up. and then shut out a team on the road in the playoffs. So they that was a very nice season. So I just think maybe we should give them a little more credit. I think Wes entering uh, a new season. probably blocked like ninety eight percent of Chiefs, and they're getting uh, Jamal Charles on back on Twitter. So you're fine. I think they are who we thought they were. The San Diego Chargers, guys, and uh, this one's simple, very simple. Uh, Joy Bosa could be a great player. A lot of people think he's loaded with potential, okay? Uh, but <laughs> the Bolts blew it by not prioritizing, protecting their quarterback, Philip Rivers. True or false? Well, I don't think that's true because if, if they were healthy, they could have protected him. They just – if you have all these guys returning healthy and they've proven to be solid starters, do you go out and upgrade when you have other needs? I think if you get King Dunlap back, Orlando Franklin back – DJ Fluker back. All these guys who were injured last year, you're going to be just fine on the offense. Joey Barksdale played pretty well for them last year. I don't think it was a mistake because I think if you're choosing at three, you're just choosing who could be the biggest impact player. They they weren't buying Stanley. We, they weren't buying Tunsil, apparently. Even before the video, it sounded like they were not going to take Tunsil. What video? I haven't heard about a video. <laughs> you got to just take the guy that you think's a, a star, and they think Joey Bose is a star. We'll, we'll find out. And it's not like that's not a need. That is a major need for them. Uh, so you're right. The the luck that they had last year on the offensive line was just outrageously bad. I mean, they they went with the player they thought was the best at number three. I think it was surprising to most people. So Tom Telesco. You know, last season, not a huge roaring success for Tom Telesco. He's got to hit on that draft pick because that coaching staff and front office are going to be under a lot of fire if suddenly the team is changing cities a year from now and a bunch of other stuff and you want to start from scratch. Anything else to add, gentlemen? Seems like a good place for the horn right there. Well, I I will throw one more time. Ladarius Green was supposed to be the Antonio Gates uh, successor. Now they got Hunter Henry. Love the name. Called him Henry Hunter the other night. But now I'm I'm aware of his name. The very 2016 name. Like, I'm surprised that's not someone in my daughter's preschool class. It probably is. Well, hopefully not. (laughs) He's uh, in his 20s. Henry Hunter, on the other hand, sounds like a Southern Gothic novelist. (laughs) A southern guy. A lot of hunters out there. Not into names where like 80% of the time people get the order wrong because that you just logically would not put Henry as the last name. Oh, wait a second. That's where you put the horn (laughs) on the next team. Dan's a big Hunter Henry fan. I love that guy. I want to keep talking about him, but we can't because the horn blew. Greg, the Denver Broncos, the world champions. Oh, the world champions. When do you guys expect Paxton Lynch to start for the Denver Broncos? Week one. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Go, I'd go about the same. Drafted Haven't we learned this round? by now? Sandwiches? 
He's going to redshirt. Well, this is not, red this is not, come on, this isn't 1989 at Iowa Won't State. The guy's shirt. playing week one. The, the Broncos will be I would take two and three. on that. I would take Sanchez. They'll be two and three, and Mark Sanchez will be coming off an egregiously bad primetime game, and they will pull the trigger in probably early to mid-October, but it won't be week one. Man, well, that, it, it puts so much pressure on Kubiak and on Lynch, a guy who everyone thought was the guy that needed to take more time coming out of it. You of know it. what puts pressure on you? Mark Sanchez throwing three interceptions a week. I mean, he's going to do that in the third week of the preseason, and that race will be over. But, you know, but we can't criticize John Elway for how he's handled the quarterback room. Well, he drafted Perfectly? someone that's going to come in and well, you know, we'll see. Ha- be a rousing addition to the team on offense. For- I'm sorry they didn't keep Brock Unitas, who <laughs> got benched. They tried to. got benched for the washed-up version of Peyton Manning, and everyone acts like he's the key to the Broncos' season. Give I, me a break. Bad job, Wes. I don't know why bad this job. topic always gets everyone fired up. I should have asked more. Uh, <laughs> I should have asked more, uh, when will Devontae Booker be starting at running back? People, people well, like what him. does that even mean, starting running back? I mean, well, it's, it sounds like uh, he could be passing old C.J. Anderson or at Stop. least Ronnie is this Hillman. Your, is this your new Bishop Sankey? No, I got to actually watch him play, but they <laughs> they, they love them some uh, Devontae Booker. Hey, top. Nobody loves fourth-round running backs like Greg Rosenthal. Bishop was you know, a, a second-rounder. Mark, how about uh, fullback, Dixon. fullback out of Nebraska, Andy Janovich? Maybe he could be your new uh, version of Toby Gerhardt. Got to look deeper into that. I've done a lot of work. I've also got a lot more work to do. I'm telling you, El- Elway and the the quarterback pick is obviously the most important by far, but he's got to start hitting some doubles and singles with these draft picks. He's ta- he's talked about it that the that once these guys like the Malik Jacksons, where that he drafted really well early on, start you know getting to free agency like Von Miller and everything. You got to keep that keep that train going, and he hasn't done it for three years. Well, it's so. also a team. That's so good picking, luck, Justin Simmons. Also picking like twenty eighth through thirty second year after year. Yep. I mean, it's not the same game down there. That's fair. That's a that's a fair point. But he's got to he's got to hit on his second and third and fourth and get some get some singles. That's all. I'm saying. Well, he needs to hit on that to churn the roster and keep them atop the AFC West. He doesn't need to hit on that for job security. No, he needs to do it to just keep winning Super Bowl. Right. I mean, the Broncos have established that they're either in the top five in the league or they're going to be disappointed. That's the kind of team they are. True that. All right, there you go. Around the AFC in 48 minutes. Great job, guys. I think it really was 48 minutes too. It's really well. He it kind of oiled. I mean, Brandon had that thing right down to his side. Well, actually, I I did it, but it's all okay. right. So yeah. no, I, I don't want to take credit, but I don't. Well, want, you've Brandon, you know, <laughs> he's doing want, a great job. But let's, you know, I don't want to take credit, but I would like to take credit. I don't. I'm not. I wasn't going to take credit, but then once it was given to someone else, I'm not going to then <laughs> sit on my hands and zip up my lips there. Yeah. Can I just mention That'd something about our special yeah. guest without saying who it is? Yeah. Just got a tweet uh, directed at the four of us that says, hey, I was supposed to be on your podcast 14 minutes ago. <laughs> What's going on over there? He spent the past 15 minutes single-handedly trolling Dan Hansis on Twitter. What is wrong with this guy? <laughs> then I hear, I like this one. He also writes, the only name you can trust in sports journalism, colon, Mark Sessler. Well, by the way, he <laughs> is not that, he's actually while. on the line right now. Right here, buddy. So, who is it? Mr. Rack. Wow. <laughs> There he is. You know, you know exactly who it is. <laughs> ah. Bringing it today. So this is Spice Dan, Rack. Dan Hansis, who waits two months after his <laughs> Vegas trip, thinking I'll forget about what really happened. What did happen? What Ooh, happened? Tell us. I don't ask remember Dan, either. Ask Dan. That's not. I would listen. Let me before you go on. Let's just set this up here. for the. I lose, I lose a lot of credibility. <laughs> I start 
kissing and telling. Can I just let That's me just set this Dan up? Spice rack. Just be quiet a second. Spice rack is <laughs> Wes's. Nice about it. Please, <laughs> please be quiet. Spice rack is uh, Wes's uh, desert consigliere on all matters in the draft. He works at. Are we allowed to say where you work, Spice rack? Absolutely. Okay, I don't remember. What is it? It's Marquee Nightclub. Marquee Nightclub and Spice at the Rack. Cosmopolitan Hotel. There you go. He on is on the fabulous Las Vegas <laughs> Strip. So you're saying you set up Dan with all sorts of free stuff and he doesn't even remember it? No, 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 no. Greg, stop. That, that's hey, hey, Stinky Davis, my... stay out of it. <laughs> Spice Rack did a great job. He he hooked up me and my three buddies at at, at the rooftop of this pool uh, at, at his hotel. We even there was a Russell Wilson sighting. And, and Spice Rack was lording over the whole thing. And I, listen, we try to get you on the show. It's very tough to get you on the, there's a lot of stuff going on with the draft. One time, explain Wes. Explain tried. Explain tried. We, all right, explain I'll explain tried. it to you. Wes. It's a, uh, it's a privilege not to write, Spice Rack. Uh, Wes, did, did I or did I not about two weeks oh, I, ago? I agree completely. I agree completely. Ask Spicy. I'm honored, gentlemen. Can you come in on Monday? And he hemmed and hawed and told us it wasn't, it wasn't the best time. That's true. I think he went underground for like an hour or two. We couldn't get a hold of him. We didn't know if he could enter the plans that day or not. Got to get know. on the train, Spicy. But guess what? You're here now. And after what happened with the Chargers last year, Melvin Gordon, uh, you know, you put pushed all your chips, to use a, a Vegas metaphor. I surely did. To the center of the table and said, this guy's going to be an all-pro talent upon entering the league, essentially. Didn't work out, but nobody bats so a thousand. <laughs> Nobody bats a thousand. So now we're going to give Spice Rack, who knows his stuff, by the way. And I did when we were uh, on that on that rooftop. We talked a lot of sports. Spicy knows what's going on. He's plugged in, and Wes knows that for a fact. That's how he would not be my desert consigliere if he didn't know his sports. Exactly. So he will not let us uh, and the audience and himself down again. He's going to hit some home runs right now and tell us uh, three sleeper home run picks. From the 2016 NFL Draft, get us going, Spicy. Well, I, I got to tell you, I didn't listen to a thing you said the last 90 seconds or so. But I want to be very clear, very clear uh, with my message here. It's a sincere apology wow. uh, to Mr. Nick Van Exel on my last appearance here. Uh, what? I didn't mention his name, which is ridiculous. You know, he happens to follow me on Twitter, which is a big deal. The former uh, he deserves, NBA. He deserves as much, and I don't Player. care. So if you say I can talk about whatever I want, that's really what I'd like to talk about. I mean, I have I have sleepers though. I have sleepers. You're a weird, dude. Let's spicy. Hear, let's, let's hear, hear the sleepers. I like you. All right, weird so dude. Nick Van Exel's Spicer one, one sleeper. Give us three more. <laughs> what sleeper did I give you? Nick Van Exel. <laughs> he is a sleeper. Thirty seventh pick overall. Are you kidding me? One of my favorite athletes in Cincinnati history. The Lakers guard for people not. Fans of the sport of basketball. All right, first, don't forget about his Nuggets career. <laughs> All right, Lakers experience in the, with the Mavericks. We're now down, second shots. You've now know. used up enough time where we only have time for two NFL sleepers. <laughs> Let's hear your first enough one. time. Some of your podcasts are an hour seventeen. <laughs> some are forty-three minutes. Uh, we have a. What, we have do a, you need to cram in a, a, like a sports update or a news update? Yeah, we got a twenty twenty flash coming up. Yeah, we'll we bump it up against it. <laughs> First NFL prospect that's a steal coming out of Chicago. Uh, I don't know if I want to play this game. <laughs> Spice Rack, what, <laughs> what have you been up to today that you are in an ornery mood? 
Why would you not want to give the sleepers? I'll be, you know, I don't want to keep going back to this Hansis thing, but <laughs> he's now, the source of a lot of it. So uh, you feel, all right, let's break this down then. We're obviously not going to get any sleepers. Let's break I down the sleepers. issues with us. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe we could work out our issues offline and you could tell us why you are known as Wes's Desert Consigliere. Give us somebody that you believe First in. First of all, I appreciate you acknowledging that we do have problems. <laughs> oh, we do. <laughs> Please give us some sleepers. <laughs> this is like waiting for uh, good how, how about Scott Trade? <laughs> the insurance Where chart? is he? Where did he go? <laughs> well, that's a good callback. Now my dog's upset. This is a bizarre strategy. Don't stop. You know what? You're doing your filibustering because you lost your confidence because of what happened with Melvin Gordon. Isn't that what it is? Yes or no? I see what you're doing, Hansis, you manipulator. <laughs> you, you're baiting me into picking, you know, Miles Jack or something like that. So no, nice will, really give good. us some we're, football yeah, players. We're baiting you into content. <laughs> because your show is full of content. Well, we try. We try. We did jam a lot into We're angling around the NF- AFC. And I'm a Sessler it. guy. I'll say that I'm a Sessler guy. Next time I might demand a one-on-one. <laughs> Listen, I like. I appreciate the tweet that you sent out calling me the only uh, name you can trust in sports journalism, but I think we can trust you too. Where are you getting these demands? You're like the Sam Bradford of podcast guests. <laughs> Well, because I have uh, I accumulate Twitter followers every day. All of them have like six or eight followers themselves, and they follow <laughs> fifteen hundred people. Although they claim to be a college scout, a draft guru, etc. So Spice Rack has his agent calling different radio shows, proclaiming that he should be seen I as an everyday agent. podcast. That's a good star. idea. Um, this is your last chance now, Spice Rack, to give us a player that you believe in in this draft that nobody else is really talking about. I'd say Jonathan Williams, running back, fifth-round Bills. Mm. Wow, all right. Oh, crowded house in Buffalo. That's interesting. Tell us why, because we got LaShawn McCoy there. That doesn't there. mean he's going to light it up day one. Right. It's the same reason why Melvin Gordon's still, uh, not, you know, he's still on the board. Listen, as far as, uh, uh, Spicy, give up the ghost with Melvin Gordon. No, I, no, it's I, over. I wouldn't. Gordon could have a good career. It's not, it wouldn't be that shocking. We're talking about what his I production I would also was. say that both guys were coached in college by Brett Bielema, hmm. which is scary. So why do you see this guy as somebody who could really become a real player well, he missed, in the league? He missed all of, he missed all of last year. Uh, he's like 5'11", 220, blast from the past. He reminds me a lot of Maurice Claret. Um, always <laughs> falling forward. That he's doesn't not the fastest guy in the world. Listen, I'm just talking about running ability. Anyone who thinks Maurice Claret wouldn't have been a stud kind of wasn't watching. I'm feeling you. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was a knucklehead. He's a grade-A knucklehead, but... All right, so there you go, Jonathan Williams, so there I go. running but, back, Arkansas. Do you want to fin- do you want to throw two out quickly, just so you can you know increase your chances of a you maybe know, a hit and here? look at yourself in the mirror? Maybe compare the next guy to Cecil the Diesel Collins. <laughs> what? Last one, Spicy. Did we lose him? He gone. I think we lost Spicy. Apparently, good on my end. It was him. He didn't want to get hung up on, so he decided to hang up. I on think him. it was when you go, all right, there we go. And I heard him say something like, all right, there I go. And I think he just bounced. Yeah, <laughs> I got to ask you, Dan. Wow. I, what spicy. There's just too much going on with, with the intonation that something happened between you what guys. What happened what, between what, you two? Was it a – what was he offended you by have, something? You have to – Are you te- – I mean, are you telling me you think that Spice Rack is making complete sense 
and everything that he no, said? No, no, that's not my. That's not what I'm saying. But he was strong out of the gate and sticking to something going on between the two of you. Maybe it was just playful. I just my assumption. Um, he, he just hung up on the show and then immediately tweeted at Dan Burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, so he showed us. He bounced. <laughs> he, what? This is unhealthy. This uh, rivalry he has with you. I, I'm enjoying right. it. I love everything about it. We had a great time in the desert. I think maybe it was a little myth. Myth that took this long for him to get on the show. Mm. Uh, after he he hooked me and my buddies up with free drinks. I hope I hope we can work past it. Uh, but there is a level, you know, you can't disrespect the show either. You you, you don't hang up on the heroes. Well, I, the we hang, have to really... hanging up was the least of the concerns. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him on to talk about the draft, and he won't. He refuses to talk about. Man, it. that was a lot of work to get like, out a fifth round running back like uh, out of Arkansas. I have heard some buzz on Jonathan Williams though that he could be fun. So. Well, you I just heard, heard the buzz it. from Spice Rack three months ago when we had him on, and that's a guy he talked about. Mm. Hmm. Well, there you go. Another. Exciting. I mean, you can't say it wasn't eventful. Will that hasten another appearance uh, by the Spice Rack? Perhaps. I think we have to get together in a conference room with some croissants and some coffee and some bagels and talk about whether Spice Rack is the type of guy we want on the show. Is he a character concern uh, at this point after what happened today? I think he's a locker room weirdo. Maybe should we <laughs> hang up on him because he hung up on us. Uh, put down the chisels. Uh, Brandon, that, that was a callback, him hanging up because I've hung up on him every appearance so far. Oh, okay. okay. See, that's all right. See, I didn't know that. I wasn't here for that. Sorry, I'm. I'm. Seasonal. All right, pick up the chisels. I was. Seasonal. I was there for each one, and I don't remember that at all. Oh yeah, that was his trademark. Dan yeah. would always hang. Thanks out. for paying attention to the show, Greg. <laughs> um, all right, that's it for today's show. Good show, eventful show. Spice Rack did have Quite a good a point that sometimes the show goes an hour seventeen, and sometimes it goes forty-three minutes. We well. Have- we Wait. don't just block in a you know an hour twenty three if there isn't an hour twenty three to Listen, entertain people with. We had Sweeney Murdy in the twenty twenty flash. We were bumping up against it. We had to throw to it. It's absolutely right. That's that's broadcasting, Dan. We'll be back Thursday uh, with another uh, great dra- uh, draft uh, look back around the NFC in forty eight minutes. So thank you to everyone that listened. Thank you, um, despite uh, the appearances or how it sounded. Ah, thank you, Spice Rack, for calling us. But we will have to discuss internally whether you'll be back. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, so, yes, we'll be back Thursday. Thanks for everybody. Thanks for listening. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. Man, spicy. The mailman was <laughs> shaking his head. <laughs> the boss. And the Irishman behind the glass. <laughs> Till Thursday. They say they have the best draft in the entire NFL. Are you surprised to hear that? <laughs> Certainly not. The first year we took it to the limit. And I was in Miami with my new beach house. Well, it was a couple minutes from the beach. It's been 20 years since then. We haven't been too strong in the last few years. Oh, we've been strong. We're just playing by the rules. You can't have a newcomer come in and steal a show. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Psst, there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum status is earned with 12 Phillips over three months, 10-gallon minimum per Phillip at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status.